You know what this is? This is ivermectin for humans that won a Nobel Prize as an antiviral. See this, Fauci? You see this, Bill Gates? I'm going to kill those prions, you bastard murderers. And hit me with a bioweapon, you monster. You want to suppress me? You want to kill me, you son of a bitch? You goddamn demon? You think I'm easy to kill? Think I'm going to roll over to your crap? No. Nobel Prize winning for humans. 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 What, 2005? Nobel Prize winning for humans. He just went and drank the horse pace. He's stupid. I bet he got it from Alex Jones. They're both so dumb. They're both going to be dead. You left this taking all the shots and dying are the dumbasses. But you sit there calling me stupid, an independent media person that built the biggest independent media operation in the world that changed the whole paradigm with my badass listeners? And you sit around and laugh at us? But that murderer Fauci doesn't want you to know because he wants the planet for himself and he wants you dead. Well, guess what, Fauci? We ain't rolling over and dying so easily, you little murderer. You're listening to Facts and Friends. Welcome to this They Are Who We Said They Are episode of the Facts and Friends podcast. And this might be a, an angry one. There's so many things that could mean. I'm referring to the U.S. Supreme Court, oh, oh, which well, they... we're going to talk about a little later on in the show. Oh, shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> my name is Tino, and joining me this week is my friend and co-host. Most of you know him as a guy whose father is currently and literally shitting his pants <laughs> in the livestock aisle at PetSmart. It's Judson. Hello, Judson. Hi, Tino. And I agree. I think there's a there's a fair to good chance he either has taken or will give someone else horse paste. <laughs> that is that you can quote me on that yes and we'll talk about that in just a second but first we want to acknowledge that we've been away for a couple weeks for a number of reasons no yeah i mean there were good reasons for the most part were they yeah like like my health <laughs> well, i mean it's good that you have it i didn't for a little while it was it was a little touch and go <laughs> anyway <laughs> but now summer has unofficially ended and i think we expect to get back to our normal cadence normal being one show per week yeah, we'll in see. consecutive weeks for about four to six weeks and maybe a week or two off then another four to six shows and on and on and on until season two ends we'll see we'll see we'll see you're right <laughs> But this show, there is just so much to talk about. This is like three shows in one, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it kind of is. This is a bit packed. Kind of a lot's happened, Tino. Oh, yeah. You're all three weeks and shit happens. <laughs> well, Judson, we asked about and Mike Lindell answered. Oh, the new date. There's a new date. Yes. Yes. According to the MyPillow guy who's still recovering from the nearly fatal ancient ninja armpit squeeze. <laughs> thoughts and prayers. <laughs> no later than New Year's Eve is the new drop dead date for Donald Trump's reinstatement as president. So it's happening this year. Definitely this year, no later than New Year's Eve. Okay. Maybe he's working on like some sort of other calendar? Like Jewish New Year's around, when's Rosh Hashanah? I, I don't know. It's, it's now. It's now, it's now, exactly. Maybe it's happening now. You mean Trump's being reinstated right now? I mean, in Mike Lindell's fantasy land, sure, why not? Don't you think him using the Jewish calendar might go a little bit against party brand? Uh, oh, well, 
Yeah, I do. <laughs> Only if they like, I guess, burned it afterward. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I suppose. Well, Judson, can't wait for that to happen. But now let's really get into your father and his pants shitting problem. That's right. We are going to talk about horse deworming medication turned bogus COVID cure ivermectin, a side effect of which can be very, very loose stools, like running down your leg loose. Which brings us to quite <laughs> literal edition of Facts and Friends' stupidest game. It's time to play <laughs> the <laughs> easiest <laughs> game in <laughs> podcasting. Did the right lose their shit? Yeah, yes, yes, all over the floor and aisle seven of the veterinary medicine supply. <laughs> Judson, to answer that question, we're turning to Natalie Harwood's post on a Facebook ivermectin group page. You want to read that for us, Judson? Natalie said, I started the preventative regimen of ivermectin based on the FLCCC guidelines, and I literally shit myself at the grocery store today? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> A lot of question marks. Is this normal? Extra question marks. <laughs> I want to protect myself, but like, is this just like the early toxins leaving oh, or God. question mark, question mark, ad nauseum, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> and someone answered her. Yeah, the first response that I see here is, yes, it gives you loose stools, but it should get better. Smiley emoticon. Eat with fatty meal. <laughs> These are all terrible ideas. <laughs> I think that will just compound the problem. I yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. So it looks like the answer is yes, Judson. The answer is always yes. You are once again correct. Yeah, it is. It's always yes. At every point, they have lost their shit. Well, I did change the game up this week, at least. It's a, you a, did. Little, a little twist. I don't know if you noticed. You did. No, I, I, I grant that. Uh, duly noted and appreciated. Well, apparently it's not just Natalie. There's a run on ivermectin as far right. A run. A run is the wrong word to use there, <laughs> sir. There are multiple runs. <laughs> I mean, speaking as a colorectal cancer survivor, I have way less trouble than these people are having on ivermectin. I feel like that's that's not a good sign for you guys. That's all I'm saying. It is not. Yeah. So what's basically happening is that the far right, science-denying, anti-American, non-patriot, anti-COVID vaccine people rush to put horse dewormer into their bodies as a safe... Rather than getting the vaccine. Forget what the doctors say. I'm going to take this medicine for horses. That seems like the sane option to that. Right. Horse-based, a yeah. safe alternative. <laughs> so as we normally do when these things happen and these things do happen, let's talk about how we got to this place and specifically this place, the ivermectin place. Isn't it the demon sperm lady? Isn't that how we got here? Is she part of America's frontline doctors? Yes, I'm pretty sure she is. Okay. Well, America's frontline doctors, AFDS or AFLDS, they're a far-right political organization, and they held a press conference last summer to push hydroxychloroquine. Also not effect, not shown to be effective against COVID-19. That press conference was live-streamed on far-right websites, and, and videos of it were shared on social media by far-right morons such as Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr. <laughs> yeah. Videos of the event were eventually taken down, but not before an estimated 14 million people had viewed them. I'd say about 7 million for medical advice and 7 million to mock and dunk on them. But yes, 
<laughs> Quite possibly. Well, the organization was started by Simone Gold. Is that the demon sperm lady? That's her. That's demon sperm. Okay. Dr. Lady, yeah. She was notably arrested for her participation in the January 6th terrorist insurrection at her capital. Oh, fun. One of her claims to fame. Fame is a word. Not involving demon sperm. Yes. Now their claims about hydroxychloroquine being an effective treatment have not been peer reviewed and there's really no evidence that hydroxychloroquine is an effective treatment for COVID-19. No, there is none. It is wishful thinking. Again, they'd rather take an untested, unproven medicine for horses. Off-label <laughs> prescription than just get the goddamn vaccine, which is damn Demonstrated to be effective. We know it works. It's not 100%, but nothing is. And yet, they'd rather take this unproven, untested treatment because they saw it on a fucking Facebook post or a YouTube video rather than the thing that medicine says, yes, this could stop you from getting COVID-19. And even if you do get it, may very well lessen any of the symptoms you do suffer. Okay. I feel like, I feel like I'm getting worked up way too soon. You're a little ranty today. I like it. It's it's gonna be a long show. It, it is, and I feel like I'm 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 gonna have to dial it back just a little bit. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Based on your performance so far, I think this show is gonna be much longer than even I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so AFLDS, in addition to pushing the hydroxychloroquine BS, now they're also pushing ivermectin, right? And in addition to being a far right political organization, do you know what else they're known for, Judson? I. Just the demon sperm. That's all I'm aware of. They're partnered with online pharmacies. And guess what they sell? I'm going to go hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. <laughs> Correct. Circle gets the square. <laughs> That's right. They sell it to people who want it after a $90 online consultation. Uh-huh. And those are the people that the TQP trust. It's always about the grift. It is. And the idiots fall for it. Holy shit. So ivermectin's effectiveness in treating COVID is pretty much non-existent, despite anything Rand Paul says. But do you know what isn't non-existent, Judson? Uh, no, go ahead. Please tell me. The drastic spikes in ivermectin-related calls to poison control throughout the country, <laughs> particularly in red states with low vaccination rates. Yeah. Also up are the PA announcements for code brown cleanups at Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> I'm finding it really hard again, just like we had was the last show we had my empathy deficit discussion. I can't remember that far back. Yeah, I can't either. It's been recently in terms of the shows, but I'm finding it really hard to summon up that same well. It's going dry for these people who are taking this stuff. I, I, I just I got nothing. I, I got nothing. I, I go back and forth. I mean, part of me is like, I have no sympathy whatsoever. But then part of me is they've been so misled. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I just bounce back and forth between you're idiots and, well, there's a reason you're idiots, and I feel sorry for that. Yeah, I mean, they've been misled, but at the same time, like, why do you trust these idiots rather than, like, your local doctor? Maybe your local doctor says to take hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, in which case... You need a new doctor. I'm very sorry. Please get another doctor. But most physicians are good people who are not going to tell you to take untested, unproven treatments rather than just get the goddamn shot. So time of Time Magazine renowned. Yep. They conducted an investigation over the past three months. Sure. Why don't you read this quote from Time about that investigation, Judson? So 
the, the quote is, over the past three months, a time investigation found hundreds of AFLD customers and donors have accused the group of touting a service promising prescriptions for ivermectin, which medical authorities say should not be taken to treat or prevent COVID-19, and failing to deliver after a fee had been paid. Some customers described being charged for consultations that did not happen. Others said they were connected to digital pharmacies that quoted excessive prices of up to $700 for the cheap medication. In more than 3,000 messages reviewed by Time, dozens of people described their or their family members' COVID-19 symptoms worsening while they waited for an unproven, quote, wonder drug that didn't arrive. So what I don't get is the basis of their anti-COVID vaccine stance is that the vaccine is unproven and possibly dangerous. Right. We don't we don't know the long term effects, Tino. How can we possibly how can we possibly put this into our bodies if we don't know the long term effects? And, and of course, we also don't know the long term effects of uh, COVID-19 infection, long COVID syndrome. Right. Exactly. So, so help me understand their logic here. How then does it follow that the solution is to put something that's proven to be dangerous and not proven to help unless you're a horse with worms? Like, help me understand that thinking. Because the mainstream media says they shouldn't do it, therefore they will do it. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. They have gone so far into this rejection of authority beyond the ones that they already acknowledge, the rejection of the experts that, the, that we've talked about before, that anything that the experts say is not going to help is further embraced as some sort of secret that the big pharma is keeping from you. It's a rejection of reality because they don't like the reality. Be serious. If Big Pharma had an effective COVID-19 treatment, they would be jacking up the price and selling it to everyone. If ivermectin worked, if hydroxychloroquine worked, those would be sky high in prices and they would be sold everywhere to everyone that they could possibly get them to. Yes. The fact that Big Pharma is not doing that tells you they can't back up your bullshit. I guess another question I have is, should we stop them? <laughs> I mean... Maybe for the sake of the horses that need to be dewormed. So over Labor Day, I was uh, home with some family. We were having a, a memorial for my grandmother who passed away last year, not due to COVID, but during the the, the, the initial fall of COVID. And um, I was talking with my stepfather, and he's very much on the just let Darwin do his thing side of the debate, I think. And I'm finding it hard to disagree there. I mean... Yes, we should stop them. We should not. We should definitely make them show pictures of them with their horse to buy ivermectin horse paste because we have to protect idiots from themselves. That's sort of our job with safety warnings and things like that. But at the same time, to paraphrase Jurassic Park, idiots will find a way to do the idiotic things. Could it help with their brain worms? I I do not believe ivermectin is effective against brain worms, but <laughs> okay. I, I will say that maybe more studies need to be done. Well, as Marlene4719 smartly advised in a tweet last week, quote, if you are following the advice from Fox and taking veterinarian ivermectin, please get yourself spayed or neutered at the <laughs> same time. <laughs> Wait, but, but have you heard about it? There is a study, is a small sample, and the, the, the study, the paper definitely reiterated that it was a very small sample size, but there's a small paper showing that 85% of men who take ivermectin were effectively spayed or neutered, that it has a sterilizing effect, apparently. Uh, in some some men. I am familiar with that study, and we'll get back to it at the end of the show. 
Okay. All right. Enough about ivermectin. <laughs> Let's move on to far rougher waters. What, what does that mean? Welcome to See You Next Tuesdays, <laughs> the Facts and Friends Supreme Court <laughs> podcast you neither know nor love. Ironically, or <laughs> we rarely record on Tuesdays, and yet today is actually a Tuesday. Every now and then we talk about the Supreme Court, which is probably the most powerful political body in the U.S., and make no mistake about it, the Supreme Court is a political body. Yep. Last session, the first with Amy Coney Barrett, was a roller coaster of surprises and a few not-so-surprising outcomes. Though Obamacare was upheld, anything that had to do with the right's ability to grow and preserve power was decided along ideological lines, voter rights saved till the very end. Yeah. It almost felt and, and this is a theory that's out there. And you can call it bullshit if you think it's bullshit. But it almost felt that the court was intentionally deciding cases during the session in a manner that would make them seem less political in order to muffle calls for desperately needed court reform to address the right's own court packing through bending and breaking laws and norms. It almost felt like it was strategic, some of the decisions they were making. I can't call bullshit on that. I, I, I don't. Okay. I can't say it was certainly deliberate. Right, we can't prove that. Given how the right has played the long game in getting these justices where they are, right. it would not surprise me in the slightest to learn that they had done something similar with the cases this session in order to give themselves some more semblance of legitimacy. Now, of course, they'd fiercely deny that, right? Of, of they'd course. They'd also deny that the court's a political body. Even, I mean, Breyer denied it in an interview with the New York Times. That's just stupid. Sorry, Stephen. It, it is absolutely stupid. And I, I think he's coming around a little bit. The court was not intended to be a political body. No. But it is. And at least in his interview, Breyer did admit that political considerations do play a part, at least in terms of when judges decide to leave the bench or stay on the court. Sure. He actually quoted in this interview, former justice and Katy Perry victim, <laughs> Antonin Scalia, <laughs> <laughs> as saying, I don't want somebody appointed who will just reverse everything I've done for the last 25 years. Sure. So there is at least possible ray of hope that Breyer might do the right thing and retire before we lose the Senate. That sure would be nice. Uh, he should do it now, immediately, because... Yes, no, um, don't wait. Our senators are fucking old. They're old, and... They're kind of fragile. We're in the middle of a pandemic. I don't know if anyone's noticed, but uh, old people don't do so great. When they get COVID. Even some young people now. Even some young people now. But honestly, whether or not Breyer retires before the end of 2022 is a little beside the point, at least for the next 10 to 20 years. The right have a six to three supermajority of the Supreme Court. Yeah. And they have now taken off their nonpartisan masks when it comes to the shadow docket. Right. Now, the shadow docket, for people who don't know, we'll just go over this quickly because I'm sure most of our audience does know, it refers to Supreme Court rulings that are made outside their regular sessions with no oral arguments and limited briefs. The opinions are typically just a a few sentences long and unsigned. Now, historically, the shadow docket was very rarely used for anything of serious or legal political significance. Right. But that has increasingly changed under the Roberts court. Yeah, they were trying to do the right thing previously. And most recently, the shadow docket is where the McConnell-Trump hijacked SCOTUS is making huge decisions while providing no legal reasoning whatsoever. Just two right. very recent examples. So a recent article I read, and I don't have the attribution, sadly, uh, but I'm going to quote it. They called the decision shockingly incoherent in that the Supreme Court, I think this is a salon, the Supreme Court upheld a lower court ruling by a Trump appointed far right judge that basically forced the Biden administration to keep Trump's remain in Mexico policy towards refugees seeking political asylum. Right. Ian Milheiser at Vox wrote 
that the decision implies the Biden administration, quote, committed some legal violation when it rescinded a Trump era immigration policy. But it does not identify what that violation is. <laughs> of course not. Essentially, the Supreme Court is making policy. It's dictating to the executive branch how to enforce policy, which has traditionally been left largely to the executive branch to determine. Especially in this case, because the Remain in Mexico policy, the state of Mexico policy is specifically hinges on an agreement with a foreign government on how to make that function. Right. And so the fact that the Supreme Court is now saying we have to initiate this policy that we have tried to end. Now they are essentially dictating not just domestic, but also foreign policy. Mark Joseph Stern of Slate tweeted, quote, I have very smart lawyer friends who assured me the Supreme Court would not do what it did tonight, <laughs> that the conservative justices would not leap headfirst into partisan nihilism. They're in a state of shock right now, the lawyers, he's, he means. This is one of the most lawless things SCOTUS has ever done. I just want to say his very smart lawyer friends, while they, I'm sure they are very smart lawyers, are not smart when it comes to SCOTUS in this, in this regard, because you and I saw the partisan gloves coming off very long ago. And this is not in any way a surprise to us that this has finally come to pass. Now, the specific case, whatever, this is not, obviously, we're not smart enough to, and knowledgeable enough to know about th these cases in particular, but this is what we said would happen in 2016 mm -hmm. when Trump got elected. Right. Th this is, this should not be a fucking surprise to anyone who was paying attention. It's sort of these last holdovers who think that these people aren't political plants, which is what they are. Yeah, I idealists, essentially, who harken back to days when the Supreme Court supposedly wasn't partisan, but Scalia had been on that fucking thing forever. So I don't know, man. I Well, used to be... <laughs> Like David Souter was appointed by a Republican and ended up being liberal. Yeah. Now these are vetted by the Federalist Society. Right. Everybody who's on there is on, the, on their short list, essentially. Exactly. So they are reliable conservatives. Not just conservatives, like far right, far, far right partisan hacks when you come down yes. to it. They will betray every principle. They will deny every precedent if it furthers the goals that they have politically. That's what it comes down to. To grow and preserve power. Yeah. And to turn this country into a Christian theocracy. It's theocracy. Well, that's what they want. A, a Christian autocratic <laughs> government. Yeah. Well, Judson, the Supreme Court were not content to let the remain in Mexico decision remain one of the most lawless things they'd ever done. Because just last week, they refused to put on hold one of the U.S.'s most restrictive and unconstitutional anti-abortion bills, Texas State Bill 8. Tell us what it is. It's a nearly complete ban on abortion in Texas. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a six-week ban. You can't have an abortion legally after the sixth week of pregnancy, which is generally well before many women know that they are pregnant. And they call it the quote unquote fetal heartbeat law. But that's that that is misdirection. They literally put quotes they around have to put heartbeat it in quotes. because there are no there there's are no, no fetal organs. Heartbeats. There's no right. organs. Yeah, there's no it's organ a there. bundle of cells. Right. <sighs> so how is this even possible? Well, Look, what the far-right Texas lawmakers did is they got a little creative. And rather than making it so that the law would be enforced by the state, which is how all laws are enforced. They specifically bar state representatives, state right. officials from enforcing this law. Yes. They put it in the hands of any American, not even just Texas citizens, any American. You can be out of state. Essentially, here's what happens. If a doctor performs an abortion, anyone, anywhere can sue the doctor. And if they win, get at least $10,000 
as well as legal fees reimbursed. And on the flip side, were the defendant to somehow win, they would get nothing. No reimbursement of legal fees. So it's already rigged. And it's not just for doctors. If you're an Uber driver. Anyone involved. Anyone involved. That's why Uber and Lyft are so against this. Uber and Lyft have agreed to pay for the legal fees of any driver sued under this new law. Right. Well, because it's in their corporate interests. Let's not be naive about it. it. Absolutely. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not giving like, you know, mad props to Uber and Lyft. They are essentially working on the backs of what amounts to slave labor, but they definitely see where public opinion is on this particular issue in a way that the Supreme Court either did not or did not care about. Well, very few companies who aren't, who don't have a direct stake in it have come out against it like they did against the absolutely. Anti- but they have a di- As you said, they have a direct stake. Basically, right. they've threatened their employees. Well, so the unsigned opinion that what it did, it's too long to read. It called into question the plaintiff's standing a little bit. And it also said that the plaintiff had not made their case in the face of what it called, quote, complex and novel procedural questions. I believe that means unconstitutional. (laughs) That's, 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 That's what that means. Unconstitutional procedural questions. I don't really care. Yeah. If they didn't make their case, it's unconstitutional. Now, they stressed that they weren't ruling on the constitutionality of the law, but they completely overlooked the fact that the quote-unquote complex and novel procedural questions were specifically designed by the lawmakers to get around the unconstitutionality of the law. It's legal sleight of hand, and the far-right majority knows that full well. Oh, absolutely. That was it was deliberately crafted that way. If you read John Roberts' dissent, he points that out. He's on the right. Yeah. He, he, he literally says that. And like, you know that's what they were doing. That's not a reason to not grant the plaintiff's request, because it's weird. Like, they made it weird in that specific way to game the system. They literally put a bounty on abortion. Yes. They will pay citizens anywhere $10,000 to help them hunt down people involved in abortions. Medical care. It's unfathomable. And now states are lining up to write the same kind of legislation. Republicans in my state want to do the exact same Florida's thing. Florida's already on it. Yeah. Well, I mentioned Robert's dissents. The dissents from the actual liberals are... Scathing? Scathing is a word. <laughs> Seething? Seething. Seething, heaving flames on the side of my face. Heaving breaths, gre- breathing. Some even opted not to go with the normal decorum of saying they respectfully dissent. Right. <laughs> Justice Sonia Sotomayor said, The court order is stunning. I'm quoting her. Presented with an application to enjoin a flagrantly unconstitutional law engineered to prohibit women from exercising their constitutional rights and evade judicial scrutiny, a majority of justices have opted to bury their heads in the sand. Hmm. Kagan pointed out in her dissent, I, I won't read it, but what she pointed out in her dissent was how how nefarious the right wing of the court has gotten with respect to the shadow docket. I will quote the last part of it. She says, in all these ways, the majority's decision is emblematic of too much of the court's shadow docket decision making, which every day becomes more unreasoned, inconsistent, and impossible to defend. Hmm. And she's right. Yeah, oh, absolutely she is. It's, this is, but there is no defense for this beyond, I really wanted to get rid of abortion, so so we did it. Right. What it boils down to, and a recent Salon.com article boiled it down. Can you read this excerpt? 
real quick. Yeah, sure. Quote, conservatives go to great lengths to hide how much being anti-abortion is about forcing all Americans to live by the religious tenets of the white evangelical minority. It cuts right to the heart of the struggle defined in our era between a secular pro-democracy majority and an authoritarian minority who wants to force its racist, theocratic view of America on the rest of us. That's what it comes down to. And we talked about this in episode three, season one. Like Amy Coney Barrett, she literally was giving lectures about how her role is to inject Christianity into the law at every level. Like, that's what she stands for. That is what they, I mean, I think all of them stand for, yeah. They want to rule by, quote, Judeo-Christian, end quote, beliefs. Let's be clear. This law does not include an exception for rape or incest. That's, that's correct. It is, it is not there. And then I read today that Texas Governor Greg Abbott assured women that they don't have to worry about carrying the child of a man who raped them because Texas is going to eliminate rape, Judson. Ha, 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 Thank you, Kenneth Copeland. Did he say how they're going to do that? <laughs> they're going to get them off the streets, he said, and put them in prison. Is this like a minority report pre-crime thing that he's not. got planned? Greg Abbott is full of shit. How do you get rapists off the streets before? Before they've raped anybody. You don't. So some few women will have to carry their rapist child to term. Yeah, well. I mean, like first time rapist, if a pregnancy results from that, that child must be carried to term in Texas. But the second time, no, they got, they got them off the street. It's not going to happen a second time. Necessary evil. <laughs> How often is there recidivism among rapists? De, de, just deliberate, deliberate evil. Just not, I don't know, not necessary. It is. But it's deliberate. unnecessary. Yeah. I was being uh, sarcastic. I, I, I know, I know. But let's talk about how pro-life Texas is. Uh... <laughs> The hot death penalty? <laughs> Not just the death penalty. They, they have a maternal mortality crisis. Although the United <sighs> States holds the highest maternal death rate in the developed world. We do. Texas is actually higher than our average in this country. That's not good. If 18.5 deaths per 100,000 live births. And get this, black women in Texas account for 11% of live births, but 31% of maternal deaths. That's unsurprising, unfortunately. And you mentioned the death penalty. And what about their handling of the pandemic? <laughs> the very same idiots that are protesting hospital shouting, COVID. COVID-19 vaccine, my body, my choice, are the same ones out there saying to a woman, your body, my choice. Well, you knew the moment that they started co-opting the my body, my choice for vaccine bullshit that they didn't mean it. No. It was simply a, 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 it was a rhetorical device, right? That's all it was. Right. Yes. And a poor one. And, the, and they would, again, happily betray every principle, every ideal they held in order to push their agenda. Well, Judson, let's take a quick moment to raise our middle fingers and salute to the never Hillary people on the left who helped make sure Roe would die. Every goddamn day. Justin, as the U.S. Supreme Court gets our Constitution totally wrong, the Mexican Supreme Court gets it totally right. I was wondering if you're going to bring this up. <laughs> Which brings us to... Bienvenido al coño, el segmento de la Corte Suprema de hechos y amigos que no conoces ni más. I thought it was great that we started with the remain in Mexico policy, and now it seems like maybe we should all kind of remain in Mexico for a little while, where abortion is now legal. Yeah, well... <laughs> yes, the Supreme Court declared unanimously that criminalizing a woman's right to end her pregnancy was unconstitutional per the Mexican Constitution. Why do they have a better constitution than we no, have, Tino? it's already been declared unconstitutional based on our constitution in 1973. Right. Why, why do they care more about our, their constitution than we care about our yeah, constitution, that's a, Tino? That's the question. <laughs> so yes, and again, it was unanimous 
Granted, they got it wrong for a long time. It's 2021. They're like 82% Catholic. Yeah. Like, I, I, I see why they may have had some trouble with it. Yeah. But how do they get it right when we fuck it up? I got to admit, I mainly just wanted to make a Spanish language version of the... Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to make the remain in Mexico joke because I think that was. And by the way, so good. Instead of see you next Tuesdays, I just use the Spanish word for hunt. <laughs> well, I guess it's a good thing I don't speak Spanish or you would have to put it all, uh, put it all in the we'll jar. Bleep that. Not the Spanish one. <laughs> All right. Well, we do need to move on. This is, as we said, really going along. <laughs> we need to move on to Afghanistan, said no one ever. Oh, God. I promise we're going to get back to this topic at the close of the show when we discuss alternatives to government regulation of women's bodies, something our male listeners might want to skip. <laughs> we'll be right back. Why should you choose Planned Parenthood? Because birth control is a choice I'm making for me. Because knowing my status is important to me. For emergency contraception. For healthcare I can afford. For confidential expert care. Planned Parenthood offers birth control without an exam, STD and HIV testing, HPV vaccination and screenings, pregnancy tests, and much more. To schedule your appointment, call 1-800-230-PLAN. That's 1-800-230-7526. Planned Parenthood. Care no matter what. So I have to talk now? You get to talk now. <laughs> Well, now that we've covered all that boring downer topic, like, you know, ivermectin and, and the Supreme Court. Ivermectin is kind of funny. Let's get to something fun, like really fun. What's that? Afghanistan. Oh. We're, we're, we're going to go through it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do the best job. I'm sure uh, I'm behind on my John Oliver, but I'm sure he did a better job. Uh, I also recommend watching uh, some more news on YouTube. Cody Johnston did an excellent like hour long breakdown of Afghanistan. But I'm going to go through a little bit of the how we got Wait, here. Did you just intro your segment suggesting people go listen to other people talking about this? Dude, we don't have time. We've already spent like 40 minutes on other stuff. <laughs> I cannot put another like two hours into the amount. That, that, Afghanistan, it's a deep, deep topic. Okay. And so we're going to do just a, just a little bit of a, just a little bit of a refresher for everybody who hasn't been paying attention for the last, I don't know, 42 years. Afghan war, 1978 to 1989. This was a proxy fight between the USA and the USSR during the Cold War. We backed the, the Mujahideen guerrilla groups mm -hmm. fighting against the communist forces supported by the Soviet Union. Uh, but the Soviet withdrawal in 1989 led to the Taliban rise from Ironically, some of those same Mujahideen fighters that we armed in that we armed. And then after several years of civil war, 9-11 happened. You, you remember 9-11, right? I, I wasn't you're, born you're, yet. You're from. <laughs> okay. No, I lived uh, in New York City when it happened. It was terrifying. And for some reason. And so we attacked Saudi Arabia, right? We attacked. We did not attack the country where most of the uh, terrorists came from. We we attacked two other countries. Uh, obviously, Iraq. We attacked because WMDs that we never found. And no, it was um, because Junior had a bone to pick. He did. He, he had to finish Dad's fight. Yeah. Yeah. But so George W. Bush. Uh, authorized the invasion of Afghanistan after 9-11, even though this was likely illegal under international law. It was under the appropriately misnamed Operation Enduring Freedom. Yeah, one of the many terrible things about Donald Trump yep. is that he makes it easy to forget what a monster George W. Bush was. <laughs> it was the golden age when we thought that George W. Bush was the worst the president worst we'd ever had. The Republicans had to offer. <laughs> 
But uh, at least Operation Enduring Freedom got the enduring part right, I guess. Sure did. Never never so much of the freedom. I guess, you know, that's... That did need a lot of operations. We, <laughs> we could quibble over that. I guess some, there were definitely, you know, some people who benefited from it, many people who did not, and many people who died. I mean, I think some of the Afghan women benefited from it. Absolutely. The number of Afghan women who were able to read has increased dramatically since the since the invasion over the last 20 years. Uh, additionally, the mortality rate for the... We were talking about in Texas, the maternal mortality rate has decreased in... Do we need uh, to invade Texas? I am... I'm... I Maybe... <laughs> I guess time will tell. Yeah. But following the U.S. invasion into Afghanistan, the Taliban were overthrown and they reverted to those same guerrilla tactics for the next 20 fucking years that they had originally been engaged in, right? We had no business going to Afghanistan to begin with. I I maintain that we violated international law twice, attacking both Afghanistan and Iraq, that that we attacked sovereign states with little to no reasonable provocation. We did it because we could. We did it because we could. Uh, we we made up the excuses where we needed to. We 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 manufactured information uh, that made it seem like we were doing the right thing. And the Taliban. The only reason we went into Afghanistan was we wanted Osama bin Laden, right? Yeah, that's that he was rumored to be in Afghanistan, supported by the Taliban. But but see, Judson, yeah, he was also rumored to be in Pakistan, which is where he actually was. Turns yeah. out, at least when we when we found him. But we went into Afghanistan looking for him and. We, the Taliban actually offered to hand him over at one point uh, to stop us from bombing them. And George W. Bush said, no, we're going to keep bombing you. For it was about optics reasons. He, yeah, it was the, it was the, he wanted to be the tough guy and not, yeah. not negotiate with terrorists, even though we negotiate with terrorists all the time. I believe Donald Trump did some negotiating with terrorists. See, see Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> don't get me wrong. So did Obama. And since oh, I, we're, we're getting, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting okay, to sorry. Obama. Uh, Obama. He's responsible for all this, right? He's not responsible for all no. of this, but he is not, not responsible for some of it. Right. He oversaw the surge from 2009 to 2012. He oversaw the death of Osama bin Laden, the raison d'etre for the need to make freedom endure or whatever the fuck we were doing there. And then made plans to withdraw in the, let's say, 2014 to 2016 time frame and didn't follow through on those plans. He also massively escalated drone strikes, resulted in many civilian casualties that I literally cannot and will not defend. That, and then following Obama, we we got Trump. That's a downgrade. I mean, yeah, and 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 every and every level. He canceled. There were some peace talks scheduled. He canceled the talks between the U.S., the Taliban, and the Afghan government in 2019 after a terrorist attack. But then he turned around and cut a deal with just the Taliban to withdraw the U.S. troops by May 2021. That's that's this year. So you're saying Donald Trump cut a deal with terrorists. Again, he he negotiated with terrorists. He absolutely absolutely did. Didn't as part of that negotiation weren't like five thousand terrorists released from prison? They were. One of them, I hear, is leading Afghanistan. Yeah, <laughs> just just checking. Yeah, yeah. And again, I'm not blaming just him. Nope. Right. Well, this is this is a twenty fucking year war. George W. Bush started it. Obama didn't make it better. Obama did not make it better. I mean, although he did accomplish the the main goal, and then somehow we didn't that was in pakistan that w- but that wasn't enough to be done for some reason trump uh, definitely made it worse yep 
And then Biden was left with this May 2021 withdrawal date. Right. He delayed it until the 20th anniversary of 9-11 coming up. Um, oh, Jesus. In a few days. Couple from days. When we're recording this. <laughs> Four days. Um, yeah. And he began the process on May 1st, that withdrawal date that, that Trump had set. Now, we can argue over whether the withdrawal could have been delayed further or indefinitely or or, or whatever. Uh, I think you it did it. Should. Yes. <laughs> I wrote in Cutino arguing. I, that's the only reason I'm arguing. <laughs> well, that's not the only reason. I do think we should have delayed it because here, here's, here's what I don't understand. And I'm no like military strategist, but sure. don't you leave your troops in place while you are evacuating your civilians and then the troops are the last to leave? I should have prefaced this entire thing with I am also not a military strategist. That certainly makes sense to me. Right. But I will say that I don't know that delaying it was reasonable or feasible because I didn't even say that Nistler just delaying like, it just switched the order of what, the way they did yeah, it. it. And that may, yeah, that may be the case. I, again, I not a military strategist and don't know enough to second guess what was done. It's entirely possible there was a better way. I will grant even that we did not perform optimally. That right. that that seems reasonable. We 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 rarely do. Uh, but, but I would say that the idea that we could uh, that that some people have pushed is that we could have simply said no, we're not going to withdraw, or we're going to withdraw at a later date. And the problem is that the Taliban were operating under that Trump negotiated withdrawal time period. Right? They started their offensive in May to retake Afghanistan, and for us to say we'd like to push that back a year or two would probably have required additional military forces to to make happen right like we it wouldn't have been a withdrawal it would have been another surge didn't trump also say at some point you don't tell the bad guys what you're going to do <laughs> he, he i'm pretty it wasn't sure about he did. this but i'm pretty sure he did you're right I'm pretty sure he did yeah at least once before it had to do with some sort of similar like agreement like we're gonna we're gonna do this on this date sort of thing yeah. But anyway, like I said, we can we can argue over the 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 the, the finer points of like how we may the, have. The reason I just keep bringing it up is that the right seems to think that this is all Joe Biden's fault, and I think Joe Biden does shoulder some of the blame, probably least of the last four American presidents, but he does sh shoulder some of the blame for how we left. I would say yes, except that. He also shoulders some of the blame on the front end because he voted authorized the war in the <laughs> first point. place. No, that's a great point. That's <laughs> a yes, great point. As of of the presidents, as presidents, I'd say yes. He he was given a withdrawal date, and the worst you could say about that is that he basically stuck to the previous agreement of the previous administration. Yeah. So I, I so I'm just I'm making it a point when I'm chiming in to sure throw shit on Trump or to <laughs> call attention to. George W. Bush and, and Barack Obama is that it's it's in response to the right trying to put it all on Biden because the real the real problem is that this is a this is one bipartisan fuck up. This is the real problem that I have with this right. Besides the twenty year war that traded conservatively one hundred and seventy thousand lives for exactly nothing but absolute unequivocal failure. It, it's it's how the media has handled the coverage of this war. For the last 20 fucking years. Good point. Incl including up to this very moment. Yeah. Like US media outlets repeated and are repeating right now their mistakes from Iraq, swallowing the military industrial complex's narrative whole, providing cover for an unethical, if not actually illegal invasion of a sovereign state, then basically ignoring the problem they helped create unless there was some monumental development or atrocity or tragedy to help justify continued US occupation. They immediately pounced on stories of chaos at the Kabul airport and reporters in the field and anchors on major programs pushed this chaotic narrative further at 
every opportunity, despite the context and the facts on the ground not really being that way. Uh, cases in point, uh, we have a couple of clips from uh, Nora O'Donnell and Clarissa Ward. Well, tonight, pressure is building on the Biden administration to speed up the evacuation from Afghanistan. About 1,500 people have been flown out since Saturday, but there are 11,000 Americans that are still stranded inside the country, which is now under Taliban control. Many more Afghans are also desperate to leave. It's just beggars belief that I'm sitting here, Kate, for 12 hours in the airport, eight hours on the airfield, and I haven't seen a single U.S. plane take off. How on earth are you going to evacuate 50,000 people in the next two weeks? It just, it, it, it can't happen. And yet, nine days later, the U.S. had evacuated roughly 120,000 since the end of July. Judson, go ahead. Let me get this straight. Are you blaming the mainstream media for this? Uh, I am I am definitely blaming are, the mainstream media for are, the narrative. Are you, turning, are you going Bill Maher on me now? I am not. Okay. going Bill Maher on you. But I am saying that it is journalistic malpractice to ignore the effects of the Bush, the Obama, the Trump administrations on the situation that we're in now, to ignore the reality that we were actually affecting a relatively successful evacuation from Kabul and focusing on these specific things that made Biden look bad. They, they went with a narrative that made this a disaster because that generated clicks that yep. generates ad revenue mm -hmm. that generates their ratings biden sold himself as a, a as a competent no-nonsense leader who could get things done and if that is the narrative they pushed on afghanistan which i will agree is probably not an accurate portrayal either but had that been the story they'd gone with it would have been a boring competent thing that just happened and that doesn't get clicks this is something that i actually think the left and right can easily agree on that we have we do have a media problem i mean that problem is based on the capitalist system yeah like you you can't report news based on generating revenue for your company you need to report news as objectively as possible and we're not great at that on either side we're way worse on the right as in terms of reporting news objectively but if the bottom line is your goal in your news business then that's going to negatively impact the news that you report for sure and I, and I think the right would agree with me at least on that point maybe not the whole capitalism aspect of it because i think capitalism goes to the root of why there's a problem with our news and our healthcare system i think leaving aside fox when you're talking about mainstream media most of the outlets try to present at the very least an accurate portrayal of events the facts generally are accurate up to the you know, the best knowledge that we have, right? Yeah, but they tried they tried to deliver it in such a way that's going to get uh, is going to elicit an emotional reaction from for sure yeah yeah uh, from I, people. I, I think generally i think that's, that's the situation but i think in this particular case they drop the ball again as alex shepard wrote in the new republic the status quo in afghanistan was terrible untenable and bad but it had slogged into that state of being for more than a decade the situation at the kabul airport by contrast was shiny new and even better had some zingy visuals the media remains abysmal at covering 
long, slow-moving crises. American foreign policy typically lives in those blind spots, but inequality and climate change seem to reside there as well. It's possible to be just as outraged by these matters, and it's easy to implicate a handful of presidential administrations as well. But as with the civilian death toll in Afghanistan and the staggering cost to the United States in terms of dollars spent, the elite press mostly doesn't care. The withdrawal from Afghanistan has been messy, tragic, and outrageous, yes. The media played an outsized role in making this inevitable. Uh, it goes back to, you said cap, I mean, capitalism, their bottom lines, but they, they are generating clicks. And that CNN coverage from Clarissa, Clarissa Ward, who I usually like, wasn't based in fact. She said they couldn't evacuate 50,000 people in, in two weeks. And yet in nine days, they evacuated twice that. She wasn't speaking from a place of knowledge. She was simply... She wasn't reporting. Oh, she was giving her opinion. She was opining yeah. exactly about that. And that is not what we rely on reporters to do generally. Well, that's all the right does. It's all... Well, I said reporters, Tino. Oh. They're reporters <laughs> until they get sued and then they're entertainers. And then they're entertainers. Exactly. Infotainers. Yeah. Anyway, there's a lot of blame to go around and no one comes out of this looking good. What it comes down to, though, is the government in Afghanistan had no legitimacy because we put it there. It wasn't right. the people fighting for freedom and democracy. It was us coming in and overthrowing the current government and installing our own, essentially, puppets. They were corrupt puppets. They wasted millions upon millions of dollars lining their own pockets. And the people of Afghanistan did not see them as legitimate rulers. I was initially annoyed, actually, hearing about the Trump administration cutting a deal with the Taliban and leaving the Afghan government out until I read a, uh, the work of a reporter who was who lived in Afghanistan for a time. And he was saying that you know, th that's the way the, Afghanist th the Afghan people feel, is that th this this government doesn't speak for them. It doesn't. It's not someone that they chose or, or or put into power it's 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 something that was a choice that was put upon them thrust upon them america failed in afghanistan definitely they, they tried to build something and after 20 years it crumbled overnight they built nothing you're not gonna blame this on us somehow are you like you and me. <laughs> the, the, the podcast we did this tino no i'm not gonna blame this on us because i was against the initial invasion of <laughs> afghanistan as was i well, to sum up... Yeah, I don't have Justin, a snappy ending. Go ahead. You sum up, please. No, I was going to leave it to you. Oh, I, I, don't have a, I don't have a snappy ending. I don't have a good summation beyond the fact that we should absolutely learn from our failures in Afghanistan, and we definitely will not. No, absolutely. Like that's, when you started a sentence, I'm like, <laughs> motherfucker, you out of your damn mind? <laughs> that's, but that, that's all I can take away from this. We're going to fuck it up again, because that's... Apparently, what we are best at. Failed nation building. We're starting at home at this point, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, at least we brought the failed nation building back to our own shores. At one point, we thought we were exporting democracy. We're actually exporting failed nations. And, that's... and we're importing authoritarian rule. <laughs> that's right. And dictatorship and theocracy. America first, man. We'll be right back. This is my new shakaroni pizza. Extra cheese, extra pepperoni right to the edge, and the biggest slices in Papa John's history. But it's bigger than pizza, because $1 from each sale is donated to support communities. Well, before we get to this week's closed topic, I wanted to remind you all that the Facts and Friends podcast is written, directed, produced, and edited by Judson and Tino, with contributions from a guy who, whether or not he'll admit it, is pretty much perpetually in between sports. <laughs> <laughs> Also, <sighs> the Facts and Friends theme was composed just for us by Omar. 
We say it every week, but we really can't say it enough. We appreciate all of you listeners so very much and ask that you sacrifice a tiny bit of your time just to tell your friends about our little podcast. I'm skipping the joke because I hadn't written one <laughs> and, and suggesting they subscribe and listen on whatever platform you have. You know, you think three weeks off, I'd be able to write all of the closed jokes, not just half of them. I got to like highlight oh. them, man. Come on. <laughs> I, I thought I had it highlighted. All right. Anyway. Just tell your friends about the show and suggest they listen. It would go a long way toward helping us. And as we move into more regular shows this fall, it, it should be an easier sell. <laughs> I don't know. Have you have you have you heard us, Tino? Strike that. <laughs> <laughs> we also love hearing from you. So drop us a comment or DM on the Facts and Friends Facebook page with feedback, criticism, recipes, or some of your favorite veterinary home remedies for people. <laughs> also, sugar cube under the lip. I, I hear it. <laughs> Does wonders. Yeah, you know, I had to. I was supposed to give my dogs their preventatives today. I'm like, maybe I should be hoarding this. <laughs> Who knows? This could be the next big thing. Yeah, the mu variant's coming. <laughs> oh God, it is. It's in all but one state. Also, which please state is follow it? us. Which state is it not in? Is it Hawaii? Nebraska. Or it Nebraska. Why the fuck would it be? Nebraska's in the middle. Yeah, that's How did why. it skip the middle? Whatever. Stupid. I don't blame you for not wanting to go to Nebraska. Stupid virus. I didn't say blame you. Yeah, I right. said blame Mew. Mew. Yeah. Blame Mew. The, yeah. The, the new terrifying <laughs> variant that may be extremely vaccine resistant may, and who, highly contagious. Maybe. Who knows? Also, on that note. What happy please. positive note. <laughs> oh, this whole show, man. <laughs> also, please follow us on Twitter at Facts and Friends. Facts, the letter N, friends. Individually, you can reach me on Twitter at Uncle Tortilla and Judson. How can people reach you? You can find me at The Fault and My Arse on Twitter. Okay. So before we get to the closed topic, I wanted to get this on air so we can flash back to it in 2023, 2024. This is DeSantis addressing speculation that he's running for president. <laughs> oh, good. Quote, all the speculation about me is purely manufactured. I just do my job. We work hard. Obviously, our state has led on a lot of things. I can think of one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tiny, tiny coffins. Yes. Other states are copying us. That's also true. <laughs> I hear all this stuff, and honestly, it's nonsense. So let's just flag this for replay, Judson, when DeSantis announces his run, and we can all agree then that it is absolute nonsense. Agreed. All right. So what we're talking about in the close is alternatives to laws restricting women's reproductive rights. Oh, okay. So I thought we might revisit the whole abortion issue and the patriotical bullshit mentality in our laws and culture that makes pregnancy solely the woman's responsibility. Right. And and sh and shame, let's be honest. And shame, yeah. Yeah. She's just a vessel. She's a, a, a host. Yes, the host body. Yes. Yeah. So, so let's shift that and talk about some possible alternatives to regulating the woman's body that would also help us lower the abortion rate. Sure. First, government-mandated vasectomies. They're reversible. I mean, yeah, they, they are. So we mandate at puberty that males all get vasectomies. And once they pass the appropriate <laughs> governmental approvals, they can get it reversed in a controlled environment to reproduce. And then they would then have to have, have the vasectomy redone. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm super uncomfortable with it, but I don't think it's more controlling than what Texas is doing. Now, the point we're making here <laughs> in this kind of tongue-in-cheek bit is that this is how they're asking us to treat women. Yeah, I I'll give you one. Shoot. We should stop having uh, allowing insurance companies to 
cover Viagra and, and, and Cialis and other erectile dysfunction drugs. They never should have to begin with. God wanted you to get pregnant, you'll get pregnant. And if God wanted you to get a boner, you get a boner. And if he doesn't want you to, then you don't. Another possible alternative doesn't is just let them take ivermectin. <laughs> that, right, exactly, because it might cause sterilization. Well, there have been studies. Uh, <laughs> injection of ivermectin sh showed a significant decrease in serum testosterone level, sperm count, motility percent, live sperm percent, and index weight of reproductive organs. Oh. As not to mention a significant increase in sperm abnormalities. Or, or you could just get a shot of a vaccine that's proven to work. That would not help with the problem that we're dealing with right now, I'm Justin. I'm just saying ivermectin, bad. That's not what we're talking about. That's <laughs> Sorry. Ivermectin, good. <laughs> if we make men take it so they are essentially neutered. Right. What about, and this is probably my favorite one. Okay. Mandatory gay conversion therapy for men and women. <laughs> I mean, there's no risk of pregnancy. That's good. Right. No, no pregnancy at all. Yeah. I mean, now, downside, human race eventually dies out. Is that a downside, though? <laughs> no, it's probably good <laughs> for the planet. Did you hear the Afghanistan story? Upside... Timothy Chalamet would have to be gay. <laughs> and not just in the movies. <laughs> we could outlaw masturbation, Judson, since based on the thinking behind SB8, wasting semen is kind of like killing a kid. I uh, Many of them, really. Yeah. M millions. Lots of kids. Millions, potentially. I'm sure guys would go for that. So so it's $10,000 per sperm then, right? Right. Let's. Uh, we should bring these ideas a la the MyPillow guy directly to the Supreme Court and have them rule on them. Because that's how that works, how, too. That is exactly how that works. Shadow docket, Tina. We covered <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's this guy, which is probably our second best bet when it comes to limiting abortions. That's, of course, after forcing straight dudes to go gay for Tino. What? what? This guy. <laughs> Judson <laughs> in Tennessee. <laughs> Tyson uh, Gilbert's his name. I was so happy when I found the story to send to you. <laughs> parked his car. Look, we're we're pitching this as go, go a possible ahead. solution to the abortion it problem. Certainly would solve that problem. <laughs> he parked his car, partially blocking the highway, and when the police approached him, he took off. And there was a high-speed chase. And then at some point, high-speed high chase, you know how, like, criminals will, like, throw out the drugs? Sure, sure. Toss the gun out the window. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Get rid of the gun. <laughs> he threw his dick out the window. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're going to have to explain in further detail. Okay. <laughs> when they stopped the vehicle. It wasn't just flashing them. <laughs> no. He opened his door. He got out. And he was bleeding from his groin area. <laughs> Because he literally threw his dick out the window. Yes. He cut his dick off and threw it out the window. Now, as part of the solution, I would say the high-speed police chase is Unnecessary. Optional. Unnecessary. Yeah. I, it's I, optional. I mean, some guys may enjoy it being be a good <laughs> distraction from having to cut their dicks off. But <laughs> this is... I'm going to opt for the vasectomy, I think, because, you know, reversible. <laughs> okay. And I feel like that's less so. I think one of these has to be better than... Texas says SB8. Yeah, I think you're right. There's definitely there, there's there's some options here. I'm gonna I'm gonna just axe the last one though. Axe is probably the wrong word. That, yeah, bad. That, that, <laughs> that's how he got into that whole mess to begin with. <laughs> well, that's probably a knife. Uh, who knows? Look, I had a little hatchet there. You don't know. All right. Well, that is our show. I bet people are not glad that we're back. <laughs> this one 
I mean, they only have themselves to blame. Let's be honest. That's true. We will be back next week with an all new episode. Right, Judson? That's that's the plan, Tino. <laughs> okay. I mean, but who can really predict the future? That's really, that's sort of outside of my wheelhouse. Uh, we did. No, we did. Well, the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Okay. So yeah, we'll be with the never Hillary people next week. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. We'll see you then. Take care, everyone. Wash your hands. Please get a vaccine. Wear a mask. home for one purpose. I always want to come home, but it was really important to me to come home today, to stand and speak in support, in support of my dear friend, my long-standing friend, a great Californian leader, a great American leader, Governor Gavin Newsom. This recall campaign is about California and it's about a whole lot more. They think if they can win in California, they can do this anywhere. Well, we will show them you're not going to get this done. Not here, never. <laughs>